everything that we do, we're always in relationship to something or someone. Most of the time, we take that for granted or worse, don't even pay attention to it. Every relationship that you have is something really precious. There's somebody there, whether it's the client of the consumer that buys from your client or whether it's somebody that you met on the street. There is a connection there that enriches your life if you let it, that you can work with, develop, maintain, foster and nurture that can enrich somebody else's life. And most of the time, we're just like networking. Here's a stack of business cards or I've had 25 people on my podcast and I'll never speak to them again. And, but these are people, right? This, this is not a numbers game. This, this is a people game. Hey everyone, I'm Claude Silver and I am an emotional optimist. For me, there's absolutely no false or toxic positivity in emotional optimism. It is simply an awareness that we have the capacity to influence how we feel and how we think. And that even in our darkest times, we know that the light is actually always there. So join me as I ask each and every one of my guests what emotional optimism means to them. It's wonderful to see you, Martin. Thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for uh, for setting this up. Yes, I. How is beautiful Ibiza today? Uh, Ibiza, uh, I'm. I don't know. I'm, I don't. I'm not uh, in Ibiza. I'm on the south coast of Spain, ah. and it's south of Granada. It's warm. It's sunny. It's really the place where you want to live. <laughs> it really is. I, I love yeah. it. I, I love the white, the yeah. white uh, houses there and whatnot. I would love to start with who are you? What is your origin story and and really kind of how we how we even cross paths? Yeah, well, we got introduced by uh, Matt, a mutual friend, because I spoke with him and there was something, some click in our conversation. And he said, oh, you should talk to Claude. Um, and who am I? I've always been very fascinated with why people do the things they do from a very early age, my, my mid-teens, looking at the world, looking at people, looking at myself, thinking, why? Why do people do these things or break those things or sabotage themselves? So I've always had this fascination with psychology. And when I was around 20, uh, I started meditating. And a few years later, I ended up in a monastery, not because I had a vocation, but because I found it a fantastic place mm. to really learn about myself. To, to, for a long time, look on the inside and see, you know, learn why I do the things I do. Uh, so that was 12 years uh, there. And after that, I yeah, got into business as a tailor. They trained me as a tailor. And so I set up shop. And then I had the long, painful, failure, fraud road of learning how to actually run a business because I had no idea. <laughs> Martin, where where was the monastery located? Uh, it was in Belgium. Belgium, okay. Mm -hmm. And and was it um, the Belgian monks, or was it um, what kind of monastery? Yeah, it was it was sort of a mix between um, a, a sort of a branch off of Sufism mixed with a very Zen like simplicity and and. Um, yeah, no, no, no frills. Just mm -hmm. like you know, chop wood and carry water. And, exactly. And that really appealed to me because I've always been kind of agnostic. I had no, like I said, no vocation. 
uh, it was strictly the way of life and uh, the psychological framework and exploration behind it that drew me in. Love that. I love that. Chop wood, carry water. It's a, a book I read a, mm. a zillion years ago, which I'm, I should pick up again yeah. for sure. For sure. The um, the integration between Sufi and, and Zen seems actually seems pretty natural if you think about but there's something there's something very joyful when I think about both Sufi and Zen. Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about either, but I would love to your take on kind of what that um, that I don't that bridge. Really know yeah, too much about the details either. Um, it was very much a non-dogmatic, non-theological kind of um, approach, and and when I say mix of Sufism and Zen, that is the way I experienced it. I, I was always interested in Zen, so that's what most of the books uh, were about that I read when others might be reading about Catholic saints of historical past. I was into Basho and, 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 and the different types of Zen, so I automatically framed the way I was living in that context. I love that. Um, and yeah, it was a very joyful kind of way of living and dealing with each other because there really isn't anything to make a fuss about. There isn't anything that should you that you should consider a problem that you have to solve because if you change your perspective, the problem becomes irrelevant and completely immaterial. And that attitude and way of looking at uh, your life is what... It gave me a sort of feeling of... It, it, right now, I have the feeling that it brought me a sense of martial arts applied to life. Like, okay, throw something at me. Let's see if I can duck. Let's see if I can <laughs> jump over it or make use of its force. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, the the what you've just explained almost it sounds like as we say the growth mindset now, mm-hmm. in terms of being able at a young age too, to mm-hmm. take something and potentially change it into something else or Take what is mm-hmm. and change yourself, of morph yourself so that so that it doesn't trigger or doesn't uh, create frustration or mm-hmm. trauma in you, which is something mm-hmm. extraordinary to do at a young age. Well, I started learning it at a young age. I didn't do much of it at a young age. I mean, I don't think that any significant uh, improvement or changes really happened you know so 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 there was before leaving and after leaving right? i spent 12 years there and then i left and i think that the majority of my growth and learning and change really happened in the years after back in the world mm-hmm. facing things that everybody faces and then having to find out how to live with it and make make it work f- with you instead of against you yeah in the monastery it's very different because there you have this brotherhood, you have the, the, the community, you have the shared mission, uh, you have your rules and, and uh, 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 the practices. So it's, in in a practical sense, a very safe space. It's kind of shielded and um, you're there in order to have the difficult experiences. Mm-hmm. And the entire configuration of that is is, yeah, not designed so much, but there for you to best progress through it and the difficult experiences that you have are very much on the inside 
Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm in the world. I have a business that I run, and I have challenges uh, uh, that I need to address and find solutions for. And it's the same kind of problem that my neighbor and the guy on the other side uh, of the table is also dealing with. And you can read about it. You can uh, uh, talk to a mentor or hire a coach who will then help you with these issues. And it's a very the the, the worldly problems. They they have solutions that you can look up, right? They're right. Google ways to yeah. deal with. Yes. In the monastery, you suddenly run into your own exorbitant self-importance. And you try to ignore that for years. And then finally something happens and you have no other uh, choice but to face. You've been a selfish bastard in all these situations. And you cannot Google that. There, no. you, you can listen to Alan Watts talk you know, eloquently about the mind and the inner world, but there is no solution for how do I deal with being a selfish bastard? You, know, <laughs> you have to live that on your own and you can talk to your brethren about it and they will have their opinions and their recommendations and they will say, well, carry more water and chop more wood. And you go, gee, thanks. That really helps. <laughs> I still am upset that I'm being such a selfish bastard all the time. Right. How do I deal with that? You don't. You, you can only deal with it yeah, by letting go or mm-hmm. or learning to accept yourself despite your shortcomings. And mm-hmm. that's a very lonely process. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very difficult to go through. Yeah. This reminds me so much of Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey and, and part mm-hmm. of what the journey is about, which most of the time is freeing ourselves from the our, the chains that we keep ourselves in, whether or not that's ego or self-importance. And then, of course, finding the source mm-hmm. within, mm-hmm. Uh, which is always within, but we either don't yes. acknowledge that or uh, don't think that we're worthy of or tons of other things, right? No. And I don't even think that I have found that source. Mm. Yeah. Mm. If I found anything, it's trained habit of intentionally directing my attention at certain things or away from other things. And that is the grittiness and strength, the ability that I developed. But I can't say that I've discovered anything or realized anything or that I've reached any level of advancement because tomorrow I might yell at somebody who's not to blame for anything that they did against me. Mm-hmm. And yet mm-hmm. I snap. Yeah. And I lash out at them. And so how how would I even think that I've no, I'm I'm just a student still trying to learn how to be a nicer person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a goal there is, really. I think we'll be doing that until our, our last breath, I imagine. Yeah. I hope yeah. So. The um I was thinking about this the other day. Uh I took um astrology. I took a psychology of astrology course years and years and years ago. And we, we spoke about uh, the 12 signs and the mythologies that the, the 12 signs carry and the integration of them all. And we spoke particularly about Pisces, the 12th sign Mm -hmm. and how supposedly we in our lifetimes, whether or not it's today, our last breath in 10 years, who knows, will become that Piscean, that 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 Christ-like, mm-hmm. the, we will understand that the divine is in us, and so that's really what we're talking about right now. Whether or not that does happen, well, you haven't experienced it, and I haven't experienced it yet. Uh, 
However, I'm sure there's some people that do experience it uh, or think they do. Anyway, it's fascinating to me to think about the back to the, the hero's journey or Alan Watts thinking about the journey of self. What is self? Of course, that's a whole nother ball of wax. And when do we know that everything is available to us once we kind of clean the slate, kind of strip away, and I don't mean in a harsh way, although it is a hard journey, strip away the, everything has to be about me. I'm right all the time. Me, me, me. I need my fingerprints and my stamp needs to be on everything, which we know is not true. No one cares. <laughs> yeah. Um, bothering the world by asserting our arrogance. Mm. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. That one really, I have to, I have to write that one down. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and, and yet there's such a radiance about being alive you know, there's such this duality bothering the world with our self-importance and our arrogance. And then I think this, uh, the other side of the seesaw is experiencing what it is to be alive and the exquisite beauty and pain of that, which is our lives. Mm -hmm. Deep thoughts, deep, deep thoughts. <laughs> but hey, you real, real, I did, I did. What, um, so, so the question, let's go on to after uh, the business, hmm. where did you go? What do you, well, what do you do today? How about that? What do you do today? Yeah, I coach and consult uh, uh, entrepreneurs who have um, integrity and a mission and values and ethics and help them make their marketing and sales work better. So I help people get over themselves uh, in, in the sense that they have these ideas about selling and they bring themselves into the picture and I can't possibly charge that much or I don't know how to sell myself. And all those stories point at the fact that this person is making it about themselves. And what I do is I help them see, forget all of that, you can safely stop thinking about it because it's only about your buyer. So focus on them, ask questions about them. Your price is not relevant. You'll get to that later. First, learn your people, connect with the other person, deploy empathy and see where, you, where that takes you. And once people make that switch, then the whole marketing and sales process becomes something that's just a normal or even fun part of business instead of something that I have to do because otherwise I can't run a business. Mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. really what I'm for. I see so many... Uh, uh, entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, uh, agency owners, solo traders, and they could be making a lot of money and having a lot of impact, but because they have their own ideas about what things are, they sabotage themselves. And this happens more with people, the more they have integrity. So I call this the good egg problem. The more of a nice person you are, the more you are likely to sabotage your business results. That's wrong because the next one doesn't have integrity, knows how to sell, knows how to market, snaps up the clients, doesn't do a good job, charges a high price. You're not able to serve that person and you're not making money and they're being helped by somebody who's not as good as you are. That's wrong. Mm. I'm here to fix that. Wow. Wow. So tell, tell me more about the good egg. So, so you are, so you're a good person. However, you're getting in your own way mm -hmm. and thus not 
your your company isn't working as it could, mm-hmm. as efficiently as effectively. You're not getting the um, clients, whatnot. How how do you, in very simple terms, I guess, help resurrect that client, that uh, the the entrepreneur? Ask questions. I ask questions that help people see the difference between a self-focused way of looking at things and an other-focused way of looking at things. You know, and that's, that comes from the spiritual background and life that I had, where, yeah, look, you think that you are the center of a universe and you're going around affecting other little universes, but you're all the same. You think that you're separate, but you're just a drop, drop in the ocean. You are both water. So what about you stop thinking about your own dropness and you look at the other drop and you ask yourself questions about that person and helping people think differently by asking them questions. That's what I try to use to, yeah, to cause this shift for somebody to let go of the anxiety and the, the tense situation that, oh God, I have to go and have a sales conversation now. And what are they going to say? What if they turn me down? What do they think it's too expensive? All of that's about you. Just go and talk to this buyer. They need mm-hmm. help, don't they? <laughs> you can help them, can't you? Well, mm-hmm. instead of pitching yourself or being anxious about it, step in with an open mind and try to find out what is going on in this person's life, what their concerns are, what vision they have of the problem and how they should solve it, and whether or not you can gain permission to join them in that conversation going on in their head so that you can create a shared vision. So that you both want to move forward together because you're not trying to sell onto something, uh, something onto somebody. No, you're having a conversation designed for the other person to figure out whether or not they want to buy. So mm-hmm. you're here to serve. You're here to help. Mm-hmm. Help your buyer find clarity so that they then are uh, uh, equipped with all the knowledge and insight they need to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Yes or no decision. And then the magic move, if you can be unattached of the outcome and say thank you when you get a no. Then you're doing it right. Then you're yeah. actually serving the buyer. Hmm. That's ex- it's it's really um, it's so simple. It's so exquisite. It's so complicated. the The relationship there between being ambitious, mm-hmm. being patient, mm-hmm. being humble, being ambitious, you know, wanting success, having conviction, being kind. It's um, it's a wild ride, and it's it's what I think about a lot at where I work. One of the things Gary, our CEO, says often, 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 often is the most important uh, person that we are taking care of is the consumer, not the client. Is finding a relationship between what we are creating and what they are needing what will inspire them, what will emote feeling, um, giving them some kind of peace of mind, the consumer. What is the consumer really attached to today? Rather than placating the client who basically needs to sell more cases of X at Walmart. Mm. And it's it's a flip of the switch. If you've been in the working world especially in advertising, thinking that it's all about pleasing the client. You are in the service of client. You are, no, you're a partner to the client and you both are making or in relationship with the consumer. 
mm-hmm. uh, because without the consumer, there actually is no client. Mm-hmm. There is there is nothing. That is such an important relationship for us to understand and and secure authentically. Mm-hmm. So you serve the client's mission instead of the client themselves. Is that uh, y- yes, yes. Mm-hmm. You serve the client's mission. However, it's almost as though that's definitely not at the front of your mind mm-hmm. as you are making advertisements or creating TikToks or whatever you're doing for the end consumer to then remind themselves that, yes, I like picking up a Kit Kat. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like buying Pepsi. Yes, I like, oh, I'm going to go drink Corona because that was, that ad really spoke to me or that uh, your cause, the cause of Corona really spoke speaks to me, something like that. So, I think back to what you were saying, though, is, is really all about relationship, isn't that? Connection. Of course. Everything that we do, we're always in relationship to something or someone. Most of the time, we take that for granted mm-hmm. or worse, don't even pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. And every relationship that you have is something really precious. There's somebody there, whether it's uh, um, the client of the consumer that buys from your client or whether it's somebody that you met on the street. There is a connection there that enriches your life if you let it, that you can work with, develop, maintain, foster, nurture, that can enrich somebody else's life. And most of the time, we're just like, oh, you know, networking, here's a stack of business cards, or I've had 25 people on my podcast and I'll never speak to them again. And But these are people. Right? Yeah. This, this is not a numbers game. This, no. this is a people game. That's exactly right. It is, it is, it is a people game. And really, we're saying we're using the word game. It just says really satirically, it's all about for me, it's all about the heart. It's really about how are we touching, leaving another person? Mm-hmm. What is, you know, our I said this to a group of um residents the other day. So uh first first career, it's their mm-hmm. first job ever. Be the person you want to walk into the room. Mm-hmm. You know, your energy introduces you miles before you open your mouth. Mm-hmm. And so when you walk into the room, who who do you want to be? Do you want your head down? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be all boastful and loud? Do you want to have a smile? Do you want yes. to be looking on your phone? It's up to you. You, mm-hmm. you we can create anything and those other people will decide what that is for them. Mm -hmm. You know, you're looking on your phone. You're too busy for me. Uh, You have your head down. Maybe you're too, maybe you're shy. You have a smile on your face. You're approachable. Yeah. It's all, all about the relationship and people and energy and Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Um, just going back in time, just a tiny bit, how did you make the jump to this type of career, this type of life's work from, you know, after uh, running a business as a tailor and what were the other, I'm sure there were other steps in there. Oh man, it's, it's been such a, yeah. see, I was, I, I was recruited when I was very young to be on a mission. And so I did a Jason Bourne on myself. <laughs> no. I like to think of it that way, but I like that. 
what happened was about six or seven years ago, in the middle of my my uh, experience as a uh, entrepreneur, I suddenly had this realization that everything that has happened in the past, this was when I had just started coaching. I was just a year into coaching or something like that. Uh, don't pin me down on the exact years and dates, but I'd begun my career as a coach. And some year later, I realized that, wait a minute, everything that has happened, going into a monastery, starting a tailoring company, going bankrupt, becoming a copywriter, then a marketing teacher. Uh, I've chosen to do this when I was in my late teens, because I wanted to always help people. I always had this feeling that I get people and I can tell you this thing to change something so that things improve, get better. And everybody was always rejecting it because who asked you for help? (laughs) And I suddenly remembered that I made a decision and a resolve to become the kind of person who can actually help people, Hmm. not just try and help people. And I forgot about the decision, uh, ended up in a monastery, learning the psychology of it, uh, uh, the whole business trajectory, so that I could get to the point of being a coach where I am now. Actually, here's the proof. People are telling me, thank you, this helps. So that was the the, the, the kind of forgotten curriculum that I decided to follow when I was really young. And so it just went without me noticing, oh, yeah, they made me a tailor. Now I'm back in the world. Let's start a company. It's logical. It's a normal thing. When that failed, well, let's do some uh, uh, article writing and get some cash flow. Hey, Martin, can you do copywriting as well? <laughs> yes, I think I can. And that was a success. And so it just transitioned from one thing, one thing into the next until a publisher sent me a book. He was on my list and he, he had a book about coaching. Uh, and I ended up on my doorstep. I read the book. And I saw myself in those pages. I'm like, oh, but this is what I've been doing for the last couple of you know months, years. I've not called myself a coach, but I've kind of been helping people in the way a coach does. So let's rebrand and focus on that and become an actual proper coach. And then a year later, there was this insight that, oh crap, I chose this all those years ago. This is, and, and I remember that you know when the, the it hit me like a ton of bricks, and I was standing there crying and great big heaving sobs of wow 20 years of all this stuff just so that i could get here mm. and i chose this mm. and just intense mm. gratitude for for the whole trajectory and and what it, what it's done for me and what it enables me to do so that's the short story i can tell you the yeah, yeah that, i i have time but i i will say i love the story because it's it's very relatable if i may the the red thread in my life has always been wanting to be of service and wanting mm-hmm. to help. And even in times of darkness and in times of darkness where I was in, unable to get out of myself, I still knew that's where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and now to be able to do what I do every single day and wake up very excited for come what may, mm-hmm. it's all about how can I, for me, it's how can I bring joyful service to other people? So I can relate to what you're saying and all of the lives and hours in between when I first had that, I want to help people to, oh, that's what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm being of service and I'm, I'm humbled that people seem to appreciate or enjoy or knock on the door. Yeah. When they let you, isn't that a beautiful thing? Yeah, yeah, the invitation, right? Yeah, 
yeah, it's um something that I I I a long time ago I I made some kind of mental decision to not offer advice unless I was asked. Everybody should know that it would make the world a little better. <laughs> I'm not sure how that how I I came to that decision, but I came to that decision. And what that did, Martin, for a period of time was then I didn't, I didn't share, I didn't speak until I realized I can ask permission, I can ask for the invitation, or I can sense an invitation and then say, uh, it's okay if I share something with you, or I'd love to share something with you if you're open to it. Yeah. Yeah. I have had the same learning experience this morning, the last time. Um, <laughs> No, because it still happens all the time that I have a great idea and I go and proffer that and listen, but this is my idea. This is a self-driven. This is me thinking that I have something important to say to you. Let's have a conversation. And trying to shut up and just let the prompt come from outside or inside is so difficult to let the prompt come from outside instead of inside. Mm. But the trick is, like you said, you don't always have to have the explicit invitation. If you're open and you're sensitive and you can intuit what's going on for another person, you might get very abstract or, or unspecified invitations to share something. And that is the beauty that when you learn that, then you can show up surprisingly effective and astute for somebody who actually really needs it. But that can only happen if you don't do it because you think that you have such a great idea. That's right. That's exactly that. Truer words have not been said. I mean, that is exactly it. And I think there are many people that are searching and looking, but don't have the words yet. So again, to your point, you intuit or feel that it might be a good, it, it might be of service to actually say, I'm, if you're open to it, I'd love to share my thought on what you just said. And uh, it goes miles and miles, I think, for sure. You know. Yeah, what, you, what you're doing is you're asking for permission, which means yeah. that you're giving that person the right to veto. Mm -hmm. And that means that you're giving them autonomy over what happens in their life in that's the right. interaction you're having. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. What, what brings you joy? Music. Hmm. People. Uh, the sea. Hmm making things with my hands. I, I love building stuff. I always did that in the monastery, obviously as a tailor, but also building work in the house. And I, I love, what really brings me joy is inventing stuff. Ooh. A hairy problem and then figuring out how to solve that, whether it's business or a roof that caved in or <laughs> how to fix the plumbing without <laughs> the tools that I have. And how am I going to solve this? And come on, it has to be possible. And then to put my mind to work to make that happen that's one of the most exciting experiences that's really cool that's very very cool well and tell me more about the music what um listening playing i know you have a guitar behind you there yeah i don't play much these days i sing when i when i'm alone um, <laughs> but I, I i like funk music like old school 70s you know funky <laughs> james brown and before before yeah. disco before disco um, okay yeah so uh, before disco. before rick james yeah. Okay. Rick James has some really cool uh, tracks, and I, I like him, but it became a little bit too consumable uh, by that time. Mm -hmm. I like the more gritty, raw stuff from, from the old Funkadelic uh, yeah. albums. That stuff, 
oh, that's so much joy. Oh, and so, so I have cool. had a couple of bands over the years, uh, uh, funk bands where we played covers. And nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and now that you've brought that up, now I really want to start another band again because just <laughs> yeah, of playing with people together. Yeah. What yeah. makes me want to do it because it's such a beautiful experience mm -hmm. to share in that energy together where you create something that is going to go away the moment you walk out, but it's real and it's there and you're all participating in it while it happens and it elevates you. And there is a sort of, I guess there is a, a transcendental uh, type of experience in it when you're, when you're really vibing with other musicians or other players. Oh yeah. And, and I miss that's beautiful. Well, I hope it's something that you that you you go after then uh, in, your own, in your own way. Not today. I know. I know. You know, you're just reminding me of a dream I had last night, which it reminds me of this, which is in the dream I was dancing. I really like trance music quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I must have been at a rave ish. Um, mm -hmm. uh, not a it wasn't a drug fueled rave, you know what I'm saying, but it was a rave and I was dancing with others. I don't know who those people were, but you, we know when you are dancing with others in many ways, you know, you are, well, you were in that connection, you're in an yeah. experience. I mean, the, the, um, the chi is flowing for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether it's, it's chi or, uh, uh, something transcendental or I don't know what it is, but, when you get that, yeah, you're being on the same wavelength to use the, the you know, the, the trite <laughs> expression, but yeah. there's something where you're just together in a way that is unmistakable and impossible to, to generate artificially. Mm. Like it happens in the right configuration, but you, you, you can't just decide to switch it on. No. But when you're in the right configuration and does switch on, man, it takes you higher. Yeah. Right. Right. You can't manufacture it. It's not to your point. It's not, I can't go buy it off the shelf. No, it is no. completely authentic to that moment. If, if at all. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and, um, we're going to wrap up in a second, but just a random question. How did you get to Spain? How was this journey? Oh, I'd been to Spain a number of times. Um, so I knew the area and around the time that I left the monastery, uh, the abbot retired and bought a, a little apartment here. I didn't know where I wanted to move to. I didn't want to stay in Holland. I didn't really have any other idea, but I figured let's go and see Spain. Maybe it's, you know, I, I, like, I like the place. Maybe I'll live there. And, and, and I came for a holiday. Uh, I had a girlfriend at that time in that year after uh, leaving. And we both liked it and we said, okay, let's stay here. You know, if it's good enough for him, it'll be good enough for me. I've trusted him for so long. It's never hurt me. So I'll stop thinking and I'll just rent something here and live here. Of course, this is a 10,000 person little fisherman's town and nobody buys several row quality suits here. <laughs> part of the reason that I went bankrupt. But then that is also part of the reason that I ended up doing what I'm doing now and having this conversation. So it's not that I'm complaining. I love it. I love it. No, it's just life. It's life. I hope uh, I hope to visit you one day in your in your area. It's such a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. It is. You should yeah. definitely come out and visit. I yes. will for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, Martin, any um, anything that you're reading these days that that you might want to share? With, quite frankly, it's a selfish question. <laughs> share with me. <laughs> share with others. Derek Sivers started writing emails again, um, mm -hmm. and 
I'm so happy that he did because he's all there's something so down to earth and real. And then I replied, and within hours I had a reply from him. And wow, know, the guy is for real. And, wow. and I, I think that's so beautiful. Wow. But also my reading, not really a lot at the moment. I, I scan a bit of articles here mm-hmm. and there because I'm very much in builder phase at the moment. So I'm I'm not taking in that much, not mm-hmm. that building an app and I have a lot to think about. So it's kind of a um, um, doors closed process. What's already inside? Yeah, uh, for me. It's so important. I, I'm so happy you said that. Actually, it's so important to identify when when you need that mm-hmm. because so much comes at us every single yeah. moment of every single day. So when do we, to your point, kind of just stop and work with what is? Mm-hmm in us that we've soaked up already. I love that you said that. It really, uh, it's a wonderful thing that you've given yourself permission to do that. What am I reading these days? I'm reading my own mind. It's kind of- There you go. There is so much that I've put in here over the years. Like I am a voracious reader and I have an interest in all kinds of things. And if it's a word, I want to read it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's always been like that. But how much do you remember of what you read and how Mm. much- of the knowledge and the insights and the connections do you actually deploy in what you do? The majority is hidden. Yeah. And sometimes you just want to shut off all intake and put your feet on the desk and just think about things and let thoughts meander and see what connections come up and what new ideas and what notes you want to take and just process all that's in there instead of just mm-hmm. constantly adding to it. Because mm-hmm. I need to read this book as well because I have to learn about TikTok marketing. And I have to watch that video because there's a webinar about how to uh, sell ethically. And I shouldn't miss that because that's what they're saying. And right. no, you already right. know so much. You know so much. And guess what? It will be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when yeah. you choose to come up and click on a link, it'll still be there. Exactly. So you're not, I think it's the uh, the, the FOMO, um, the fear of missing out. Yeah. And there is a large part of that is the idea that we're insufficient, because that Mm -hmm. is what a lot of the marketing and advertising industry tells us, that without this, you're not complete. Mm. That's become a kind of a cultural theme, red thread in in how we think of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's more that we need to acquire in order to be more worthy, more equipped, more skilled, more likable, more desirable. And so then we always have this feeling that I need something else. I need something more, whether it's shoes or a book or a course or a coach. But you yeah. already, probably, I mean, with what you have, you go to this point and you're not dead yet. So maybe <laughs> you don't need anything more than what you already have. Right. It's it's um, the if only mind. Mm-hmm. If only I had that. Oh, I have that now. Oh, if only I had that. Oh, but I have that. Oh, if only I had that new pair. Yeah. Oh, I got that. Oh yeah. gosh! If only I met LeBron James. Oh, I met but LeBron. You never be complete. Yeah. You, you can. You can never. Every, you know, name people that you admire, whether it's founders or authors or philosophers. Yeah. You can meet all of them, mm-hmm. and you will always want to meet the next one. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you know, when does it end? Well, it ends when you say, "Door closed." Yeah. Feet on the desk. Here's my notebook. Here's my cat. And there's the sky that I'm looking at. And I'm just going to sit here and let thoughts swirl until things come up and I'm complete. I love that. Then I'll pick up a book. Love that. Love that. It is It is such a joy to speak to you. And uh, I, I hope Bye. this is only the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And we have more. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. 